Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. It threatened to be a miserable week in Europe for English teams, but everyone's through. Uh, the Champions League has gone especially well. Liverpool through, Tottenham through, uh, joining Manchester City, Manchester United, who already were through. Uh, on this podcast, we're going to be looking back at the Champions League midweek, uh, looking at uh, kind of obviously Liverpool and Tottenham successes. Also, later on through this podcast today, uh, we're going to be uh, looking back at the um, I mean, very shameful Raheem Sterling incident uh, at the weekend and speaking to Darren Lewis, um, obviously Daily Mirror football writer, um, to look over that. And we're also going to look ahead to the Premier League weekend. Uh, but first of all, uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan, joined. Um, you're back. Matty, back, Law- yes, yeah. Ma- 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 Matty Lawless. Um, so after- I was peering in through the window as you recorded in the last one. Yeah, I mean, I'm, ba- I'm out of the cold, so good to be back in the side. Yeah, you know, we've, uh, we, we, we've brought you out, we, we've dropped you, so hopefully you'll up your game as a, uh, as a result. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark Jones is back as well. I mean, Mark, you, you're another one who, uh, you know, we, we just kind of forgot about you for a bit, didn't we? Cheers. on the last one. Yeah. I, 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 when was the last one? I've lost, I've, you know, with all these like kind of like dark mornings and things like that, I've lost track of when things are, when, when days are. Yeah. It's Christmas soon, isn't it, I think? But, um, yeah. It's good to be back though, Aaron. How are you? Yeah, I, I'm great, thank you. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm really good. I'm all the better because I'm one of these nice, jolly people who gets happy that English teams are winning in Europe. Uh, I'm not one of them. Bit, bit, well, can we just talk about quickly though, Flanners? Because between the last podcast being recorded, there was some big news in terms of Curzon Ashton, your team. Oh no, don't please don't. It's, it's, it's still a sensitive subject. No, no, but um, you know, let, let's talk about it. Your, your dad had done a fantastic job at that club, and uh, now he, he's sort of he's he's not there anymore, and he'll be looking for a, for a, for a new challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, if there's listeners here who don't have a clue what's going on. My dad was manager of Curzon Ashton in the National League North. Uh, he lost his job after eight years. Uh, last week, um, it was the wrong decision to sack him. Yeah. I, I'm, I'll happily say that. Well, I, I, it, I think, I think it certainly I'm, seems that way with the reaction. Yeah, I mean the the, re- the reaction on social media has been great, especially from people from other clubs who have immediately gone get Flanagan on the phone now. Yeah, um, <laughs> so it's been um, it's been interesting. Um, it's it's still upsetting, obviously, a club that both myself and especially my dad has of put so much time into over the past eight years to. Kind of end, um, kind of on a real sour note is uh, is not great, but onwards and upwards. I'm Definitely, sure, I'm yeah. sure they regret it in the end. That's that's, that's all. That's all you got. I mean, just just move away from it. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say I hope so, but I don't because I, I love the no, club. I love, I love, I love yeah. the people. There. Well, look, there's a lot of big jobs out there in the northwest, and it's a great hotbed for for non-league, isn't it? So yeah, you know, let's hope John Flanagan's back in the dugout very soon. Oh, but yeah. I thought it was appropriate to discuss it because we, we do mention Curzon from time to time. So, yeah. you know, um, and it was a big talking point. Won't anymore. Certainly on our desk. So. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, if he's looking for a new goalkeeper when he gets his next club, we discussed on Twitter last oh, night no. that it, it won't be you. 
Yeah, um, that's, a, that's, that's another one. Um, my, my five aside. Uh, I was going to say I was going to call them heroics, and they're not heroics. It's the opposite of heroics. And uh, anti-heroics. I don't know. <laughs> if anyone saw that goal with the Birmingham, also the Preston goalkeeper against Birmingham, oh, um, so, yeah. Uh, Declan Rudd. Yeah, I had one of them. I, d- I did one. He, of them. Yeah, yeah, the mayor. But uh, look, I'm sorry to turn this podcast into the Aaron Flanagan show, but I you know, it, it was kind of leading into my point about Allison, really. So I, I, I feel like I've taken over. I mean, oh, <laughs> you know, this is what happens. This is what happens. when you, you give me a week off. Yeah, I come back and I'm, you know, I'm yeah, ready to get going. All the segues. I'm just going to, yeah, sorry, mate. Let's just start again. But yeah, um, no, no, so, so brilliant. We, we started this podcast by uh, taking the mick out of me and my goalkeeping <laughs> by laughing at the fact that my, my dad got sacked. No, we didn't laugh at that. No, 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 no. Let's be clear. Let's we're be raising, clear. We're just raising the subject. Yeah, so, we, we, we're, we're very supportive and, you know, no, I no, think no, that... Nice. We'd like to see him back in, in, in the dugout very soon. Yeah, no, no nice words. I uh, do appreciate it. But anyway, uh, the people who are listening to this podcast are not listening to this podcast for Curzon Ashton. listening <laughs> because they like Premier League football. But they might like that distraction. Maybe. They maybe do. they do. Maybe they do. <laughs> uh, but um, in terms of uh, the Premier League teams in Europe this week... Um, Brilliant. What uh, what a week, obviously, City United uh, already through. Um, we knew that heading into this Champions League week, so it's all about Liverpool and Spurs. Um, Jonesy, I'll just come to you quickly first. Mm-hmm. Um, did you believe, as a Liverpool fan, um, that you were going to get past Napoli? Were you, was, you, was there almost like an air of confidence going into the game? I was um, annoyingly so for my friends I watched the game with. I was annoyingly calm about the whole situation. I thought that they'll be fine. Honestly, I know it was only one nil, but I thought Liverpool played really well. Like, it, it should have been, it should have been three four. If if Sadio Mane had his shooting boots on, it would have been. But um, no, I think when it when it came down into that situation, you know what Liverpool are like. You know, everyone likes talking about the Liverpool atmosphere and all these sorts of things. But nine times out of ten, in these sort of situations, they do get the job done. And and I just think they were a better team than Napoli. Um, well, they are a better team than Napoli anyway, and um, yeah, obviously, you know, it's it's a bit hairy at the end, but um, I was quite confident they go through. Yeah, uh, Matty, obviously, you mentioned Allison there. Um, obviously, as Mark said, it could have been three, four, or it was still one. Right at the end, Napoli have this great chance. Allison, you know, heroic save, you know, quick off his line, makes his body big. Um, are you, are you taking into... notes for next time you're in goal? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I am doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm... I told you, we booked you in for some goalkeeper training. And <laughs> Just make we're sure going to make him. a good, good keeper of you. Um, yeah. I think what it shows you is that uh, you know Liverpool were crying out for that position. Uh, you know, you've got to feel for Loris Karras over what happened in the Champions League final. But you know, if you put Allison in between the posts that night, it's a different story. And okay, they paid an awful lot for him, but he's repaid it. Without a doubt, this season he's only had one real clanger. That was against um, Leicester. Leicester and Liverpool won that game, um, but that's it. He hasn't put a foot wrong since then. I think when he first arrived, I think he kind of felt that he'd have a bit more time and he could do stuff like that. I think he's realised the intensity of the Premier League, and I think that's probably matured him very quickly. And I think some of the saves he's, he's made of late have been excellent. Now a lot of debate whether that was a truly brilliant save, but I think that time of the game, and you know. His level of alertness and the manner in which he produced it made himself big. It was it was a match winning save. You know, it could have easily been one or and Liverpool could have been into the Europa League. And that could have really sort of wrecked their season because nobody at Anfield wants to be playing on a Thursday night in the Europa League. Yeah. They really don't. The, the, the mission is quite simple. They've got to try and compete for this title this season, and they can. They're going to a crunch period now where they've got Manchester United this Sunday, and they've got other big games this month where they've got Arsenal to look forward to, and they've got Man City to go to as well. So a massive Christmas for them, 
And I just think the confidence is there. And for me, I agree with Jonesy. It was never in doubt that Liverpool would go through last night. Uh, I know it was one of those old cliches, you know, and everybody was making light of it, you know, those European nights at Anfield. But I tell you what, they never, they never disappoint, do they? And, and it must get the players up for it. And it, and psychologically, it defeats the away team before they've even stepped foot on the pitch. Yeah, I, I, I don't care what anyone says. Like, I absolutely love going to Anfield just for you never walk alone before the mm. game. Even when you stood in the away end, and obviously yeah. your, oh. like your your fans in the way, and they're trying yeah. to sing over it, but you can't sing over it. It's one of those bucket list things you got to do as a football fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, just, just on just on the save, I know, as you say, there's been a kind of a strange debate about it. And I think people are thinking, oh, Liverpool fans are making too much of it, or whatever, because it's just a save, it's straight at him, or whatever. But it that's not what it's about. It's and and Matty mentioned the, the carriest thing there. I think Liverpool fans have been hurt or upset by goalkeeping situations in, in the recent years and. And for Alisson recently, these, especially these last sort of six weeks, he's been pulling off quite remarkable things. And he's and actually kind of like point-saving, point-winning moments. You think about the saves against Everton, um, the one from Andre Gomez when he's right on the yeah. goal line. He also had a great stop from Theo Walker in that, in that game, which nobody really touches on, where he, he got his hands as Walker was trying to come around him. Burnley was a great example where it's 2-1 in injury time, makes a great save, starts a counter-attack, 3-1. And then obviously the best example being, being Napoli. Um, he... He is—he's just a class above what what's been there before, and it's just this—it's this idea that there is now someone who is trustworthy and someone, and and the fans love him. You know, little things like he—he he came that, out against the game against Bournemouth and he heads it away, and all the fans go crazy for it and things like that. That's such a key point, though, that he's trustworthy because for any team you need that spine you need that strong spine and for a defence to look back at their keeper and know yeah. that he can get you oh, in yeah. trouble if we mess up, he's the last line of defence, you know, and and. And you look at Man City, they identified the same area. We need a goalkeeper. All right, Bravo didn't work out. Pep wasn't having Joe Hart. And they got Edison in and it just worked. And and they spent an awful lot of money on him too. But look what, what, look what they've achieved. They've won the league. Mm. Gives the defence so much confidence. Liverpool have been absolutely outstanding since, you know, Van Dijk gets a lot of credit and deservedly so. But as a unit, defensively, they're so solid. And I think the yeah. goalkeeper... He should take a lot of uh, credit for that. It helps other players who come in. I thought Joel Matip was great against yeah. Napoli, and he's someone who's barely played. Yeah. Um, just quickly on on Allison, and I know it's very much looking in hindsight and stuff, but I think a lot of people thought that goalkeeper was just the missing piece of the puzzle mm. for Liverpool because they'd filled in all the blanks. Like they needed the centre off, they got Van Dijk. You know, they they they, they got they needed another midfielder. They got Cater. You know, they, they they filled in the blanks. The keeper was the last one. Do you think? And as I say, I know it's hindsight. If Allison was in net in the Champions League final last year, you can't say, can you? Yeah. I, mean, I do because, <laughs> I because I mean, Mignolet made. Um, yeah. Was it? Was it? It was Mignolet. Oh, Carrier. Sorry. Yeah. Um, made two errors, mm. two goal-costing errors in that game, and you just feel like you wouldn't, well, I mean, you wouldn't have we, them. We, we've we've, we've since obviously found out that there might have been other aspects. But yeah, that, at, you at can't. Play with Carrier, yeah, you so can't knock that. I think all. it's. I think it's harsh to to keep on at him. Um, he actually had a great. He, he was all over social media the other day. He had a fantastic game for Besiktas. Made two brilliant saves. He's going to be a great keeper. And it's just at the wrong time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and it's actually it's funny you mentioned last season. Allison was in goal for Roma last season. Liverpool put five past him at Anfield in, in the in the semi final. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think there's a stat knocking around where it's something like this year. Um, it's like this, so. This this is so so in that in that two legged semi final. Liverpool win five two at home, lose four two away, seven goals. So this calendar year, Liverpool have scored more goals past Allison. And Premier League side have scored past Allison when it was in goal for Liverpool. So it's seven against six. Yeah, um, so as I say, it's it's the, the, the Mr. Beats a jigsaw thing. You look at the team against Napoli, and it was a very 
last season vibe about that team, I thought, because there was, there was no Cater, there was no Fabinho, there was no Shaqiri. Um, and it was very much last season's team that got them as far as they did. You're chucking Allison into that, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's obviously such an upgrade. Every goalkeeper's got a rick in him, every goalkeeper, and it could happen at any moment. And it could be that, you know, in two months' time, we're talking about Allison and he's, he's, he's dropped an absolute clangor. But I just look at him and his confidence is sky high. I think the fans absolutely worship him there already. And and the manager seems to have a great rapport with him. So there's that element of trust, as Jonesy mentioned. And I think that's that's why it's so crucial that they brought him in. And, and he's he's a bit of a larger-than-life figure. Yeah. Made a larger-than-life save last night. So it's, yeah. how, it's, it's how you respond to the errors, isn't it? You know, exactly. The Leicester that. mistake, which we all saw. He's been flawless since then. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if there's something about he wears these bright kits doesn't he a big pink kit or yellow kit and he's running out with you you wouldn't want to be attacker in that situation would you you've got this oh. crazy fella running at you but um like he's he's been he's been remarkable for me he's the best goalkeeper in the premier league at the moment mm. and yeah I, I do think that and i think um a lot of people have always said to hair haven't they but i think when it comes to voting for the pfa team of the year i reckon allison will be the popular choice there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when it gets to that one. Obviously, you mentioned De Gea, we're going to talk Manchester United uh, a little later on in this podcast because it is Liverpool versus Manchester United this weekend. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, can't wait for that. Um, le- very last quick point on uh, Liverpool, uh, just before we, we briefly talk about Spurs and, and the fact that they got through. Mo Salah. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, he's back. He's like, back, I, mate, but why is he not smiling? I don't get it. Like, what's? I mean, Jonesy, you can tell me this, but Salah, I, I absolutely love him and, and I think like last season he was, he was just a, Breath of fresh air in the Premier League, and he just seemed to enjoy every game. This season, like he's, I mean, last night's goal was sensational. Yeah. He really was, and then he just—it was like a muted kind of. I don't yeah, know. that's possible. It was almost a bit yeah, like Mario Balotelli in that it's, sense. It's almost like in his head he's saying, so, "Well, this is I'm, what I should be I'm, doing." Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm answering critics. Is a like little bit. Yeah, I think a little bit. Yeah. I think Yeah, exactly. He's quite. Uh, I think he had a few critics at the start of the season, but I think he's quite a serious fellow, isn't he? And he, I think he is driven. He's quite a driven bloke. And you know, you can read what you want into these things. I mean, there's a picture after that where you cut back, and he's 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 kind of raised his yeah, fist yeah. to the crowd. So what, what what do you want? You know, there's actually I've seen articles where Liverpool fans are loving the fact that he's this cool sort of customer these days. He doesn't care. Oh, I'll score again in a minute or whatever. I actually think he's he's playing better right now than he did last season. Yeah, um, yeah. In, in, in an all in an all round game sense, he's been brilliant. Well, I thought that goal he scored against Bournemouth, the third goal where he absolutely brushed off the defender, yeah. showed so much strength and skill. Did I mean, beg he could twice. He, he, <laughs> yeah, he could have knocked it in at least three times yeah. beforehand. But he was almost toying with them. You know? so many goals where the, you, yeah. take, you take it around the goalkeeper twice. Yeah, <laughs> he, was just, he was completely taking the mickey, but he, he was, he's that good. You, you got the sense in that goal as well that when Ake was still on the line, you got the sense that he was thinking... I should probably take you on as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, pro- let's just score the goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what? what a yeah, it was almost like the goal got in the way, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, it was, no, no. But, but I mentioned Balotelli, and, it, and I remember Balotelli like the reason why he never celebrated because he was like, "Well, this is my job. I'm a striker. I should mm. be scoring goals." So maybe that's you know partly behind the reason. I don't know, but I hope hope all's well with Salah because I think. If ever a club and a player have ever gone hand in hand, it's it's him and Liverpool. Yeah, you know, they just seem like a match made in heaven. I'd, I'd hate to see him anywhere else. It's only now. West Ham, that is. Uh, it's only now when you look at it and and you put together last season numbers and and the fact that he's I think he's joint top scorer now. And yeah. and no and people were saying he was having a bad time a, a month ago, um, but it's only now where you actually look at these numbers, put them all together, and you you're starting to talk about him in amongst the real Liverpool greats. I think without a doubt, and and I think this season the way Liverpool are going. 
you know, he, he could well have a statue outside Anfield. <laughs> like that one. Well, yeah, because <laughs> if, if, if they win the title in the Champions League, which is, you know, it's, it's not impossible. Liverpool no. genuinely have got a chance this season. I hope it's not like that weird Leo Sayer statue that got made a few weeks ago. Did you see that one? <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, massive head. Not as good <laughs> as my favourite football statue, Michael Jackson, outside the yeah. Craven Cottage. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's gone there. It's in yeah, the National it, Football Museum, yeah. Museum, I think. It is. I went and saw it um, a few months ago yeah. uh, when I was... Uh, just trying to waste a few hours in Manchester. I thought, no, oh, let's pop in. Let's uh, take a selfie with. Yeah, no, it's a thriller. You got, you got it. Oh no! Oh no! That was bad. Uh, on, on that note. Hey. On that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh dear me! Who am I bringing? Uh, this all right. I'll go and have a look at the man in the mirror. And <laughs> all right, stop, myself. stop, Billy Jean. <laughs> no, 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 no let's, let's end it there. Moving on. Tottenham. Uh, this is why you briefly. don't invite me and Jones yeah, on. You, yeah, we're only on this podcast because nobody else was available. I'm already regretting bringing you two back. Yeah. Um, the uh, moving on. Uh, Tottenham have all, are also through in the Champions League. Uh, they. I watched this game last night. This, I mm. actually, I just felt with Liverpool they're going to do it, and I kind of. I tell you what is good about BT, by the way, is this app that they got, and you can obviously watch one game on your telly or whatever, but on the app you can just scroll back and watch the goals, and yeah. as you know, it's brilliant. Anyway, watch the Tottenham game because I just felt I had a bit more riding on it for Spurs. Barcelona got this incredible record going into the game where I think their last defeat was back when Bayern Munich beat them in the semi-final at the new Camp. I think it was like 28 games prior to that. They've only lost two within that, or something like that, you know. It was, it was yeah. ridiculous stat. And Spurs gone there. You could argue they've been quite lucky in a sense that Barca did rest a lot of players because they were already through. But Barca came out of the blocks. Dembele scored a sensational goal. Carl uh, Walker-Peters made a bit of an error. But, uh, you know, what I would say is Tottenham were certainly on the front foot throughout the whole game. They, they could have won by, by a few goals, really. But the keeper, Sillison, had an absolute world yeah. of a game. But yeah. Lucas Moura, it was a great substitution in the end from, from Pochettino. And he did the job. And... Tottenham thoroughly deserved to go through. Yeah, I was just quickly on the, the Barcelona team selection. If anybody comes out and says, oh yeah, Tottenham should have won because of the team selection, you've got to remember, Barcelona's good, good front line that game cost oh. £300 million yeah. between three of them. You know, yeah. And then you've got Coutinho behind them. Yeah. Exactly. I I think well. that, that was a stat. I think Tottenham's team who started last night were worth like £99 million compared to, yeah. you know, it's a fraction of what yeah. Barca paid for Coutinho. And then you've got yeah. Dembele on the pitch as well. They paid a considerable amount for, I think it was 123 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Look, uh, I think you could say yes, they rested players, but Tottenham knew what they had to go there to do, and 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 at the same point, they still had PSV. I was going to say that. I mean, <laughs> I, I, it was a great achievement. I'm really happy for them because I, I did want them to go through, but I, there might be a few of them Tottenham fans getting PSV tattoos or something like that because yeah. I think nobody saw that. I think everyone thought, well, they're going to have to win. Nobody saw PSV getting the result at Inter, but they're, they're in the draw, and that's the main thing. And I know it sounds a bit silly, but they. They they could have really gone far last season and they just slipped up slightly. So they had a great result against Juve where they pulled it back 2-0 in the first leg, if you remember. Mm. And then at Wembley... You know, they, up, they, they, yeah, yeah. They, were, they, were, they were leading and they just sort of took their foot off the gas, really. And, uh, you know, they should have really gone for it in that game. But they, I think they tried to be a bit too pragmatic about things and... Um, Juve were clinical and defensively they were great that night. So I think Tottenham, they'll be a team that I think a lot of the teams in Europe will not want to draw them on Monday. They really will want to avoid them. I wouldn't want to face Spurs if I was a, 
a fan of another club there because I think they've got a real sort of mentality about them that they could go quite far in a competition. But as we've seen in other cup competitions previously with that team, they get to these points and they can't quite cross the line. So mm. they really need to do better this season from that aspect. But, you know, I, I think they're, they're a dark horse. Yeah. Um, as we, we mentioned as well, uh, United and City already through ahead of their games on Wednesday. They were through on previous match days. Um, it's weird kind of saying that all four Premier League teams are through because I feel that all four have kind of struggled a little bit in Europe. Obviously, Liverpool have had a couple of shock losses. City had a huge yeah, wake-up call. Bad, didn't they? United, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, United, I think, have been dreadful yeah. in the Champions League and yet they're, they're comfortably through. And, yeah. Um, it's just... It, yeah, it and, 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 and Tottenham, were, Tottenham were dead and buried, weren't they? So, um, yeah, it's, it's a show of character from, from all of them, I think, involved. I mean, City's group was always one. You thought they were going to get through, but then they had the shocker against Lyon's at first game or second yeah, game. Yeah, first game. Um, so... Yeah, United. It's been it's been very United, hasn't it? It's been a bit of a bit of a drudge, and I mean, I think their their qualification comes down to that mad five minutes in Juventus, where they somehow I don't to this day now they won that game, but they won it. Yeah. Um, Liverpool were awful away from home, really really bad. Red Star being the being the, uh, the the one, but as we mentioned, Anfield is a factor in 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 games, and and they managed to get through. I was actually looking before, so Liverpool have gone through, and it's I think there's twelve sort of permutations for kind of like tie breaking ways of doing it. I think Liverpool had to go down to the seventh of 12 in, in order to be qualified ahead of Napoli. It's goal scored. Um, I don't so think there's a long way will, down. I don't think teams will go into next season's competition underestimating the uh, group stages though. I think what you've seen this season is there's, you know, there's at least three teams in every group who could go through and there's, the competition's got even better I think yeah. over the years. Whereas I think if you go back a couple of seasons where it was pretty much, you know, expected that certain teams will go through um, and I think that that's been a real wake-up call, particularly that Red Star that yeah, great yeah. defeat away from home. Where, let's be honest, I think that would have been a bit of a coupon buster for a lot of people. Mm. Where people would have banked on that. But there's, one, some, but there's some strong sides who've, who've um, been knocked out. I actually, yeah. actually feel a bit sorry for Napoli. I, mean, I don't really, but, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, in terms of they're, they're a good, they're a very good team, and, and you'd have them as one of the favourites for the Europa League now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so cool that'll do us uh, for the Champions League uh, when we come back after this uh, short break uh, we're going to be speaking to Darren Lewis on the phone so we're going to be looking back at the Raheem Sterling instant uh, from the weekend and then after that we're going to be looking ahead to the Premier League weekend which as we say includes Liverpool against Manchester United we'll be back shortly This is Acast Recommends every week we pick one of our favourite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, We're joined now on the line by Darren Lewis. Uh, Darren, are you there? Yep. Hello. Hello. Good to good to hear from you. Um, obviously, um, uh, the shameful incident of the weekend uh, involving Raheem Sterling has um, unfortunately been 
uh, one of their kind of the talking points in the media um, this week. Uh, Darren, um, if anybody who is listening hasn't seen it, wrote a really uh, thought-provoking column uh, for the Daily Mirror. Um, it's available still on the Mirror Football website um, if you want to, to read that. But um, Darren, obviously, uh, you made some very interesting points about um, kind of first of all racism in football and then uh, racism uh, in general and kind of a lot about the the language um, which we use. I mean, can, can you explain a, a little bit more about about what you wrote? Um, well, the column was designed really to respond to Raheem Sterling's comments because he's calling for change in the media. And I think that the media needs to listen to what Raheem Sterling, Sterling has got to say. Um, and as a black man, I can empathise with what he's got to say. And we have, and we've done well at the Mirror to to, to, to recruit black journalists, Dean Wilson, Adrian Kajumba, so that we can empathise with what black athletes have to say. But if you look across the wider media spectrum, there are all too few, you know, Sammy Mottmel at the Daily Mail, um, Sachin Okrani at the Guardian, uh, um, in broadcast media, Jordan Jarrett Bryan at Channel 4 News, and Hugh Wozencroft at the BBC, and, and, and lots of others. Um, but but but, they're, but in terms of production staff, but in terms of the decision-making process, the people who decide what goes into print, what goes to air, are there enough people of colour? Because if there were, then maybe we would not have players asking to be represented in a fairer way. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, definitely, um, I say, a, as I say, a thought-provoking uh, column. Uh, you mentioned in the column um, about, as I say, uh, language uh, that we use. Uh, I think it was, for example, you used uh, the word lazy and the connotations and the history where, where, where that has been used in. Do you believe that it is kind of it's society as a whole that needs to take a look at themselves and maybe not just football? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, but but see, see, society has needed to look at itself for a long, long time, but hasn't done that. We've never addressed the issue of racism properly in sport, full stop. And so, as a result, um, it keeps coming back haunt us in football in particular uh, we've never really properly addressed it we keep using those phrases there is no place for racism in our game but when it comes to actually doing something about it we do we don't do anything substantive enough to be able to deter people from going to football stadia and abusing players on the basis of the color of their skin it society is very similar now to the way it was in the 70s where you wanted, you had people wanting their country back, people worried about immigration, um, and that seeping into football. And we've got that again here since the Brexit vote, where kick it out, reports arise in the number of people who are being openly racist. You're getting coaches talking about open racism at, at youth and kids' level. Uh, you're getting all sorts of um, instances of negativity across the spectrum, not just in sport, but outside as well. So, yeah, if we're going to change, people, everyone's asking for ways to change. Um, and if we want to change, then we have to look at everything. Uh, and that includes the way we relate to players, uh, 
And it includes the way uh, in which, well, look, I, I think it starts with with, with, with uh, decision-making. If we can get those people of colour into the decision-making process, that's a start. But also we have to look at ourselves as well and look at our terminology and look at the way we portray players. And also as a digital media, we have to be careful not to buy into what other people might do because there are hits and retweets in in in, in, in negative stories about black players. Let's not let's not let's face up to it. We can't buy into that. We have to decide that morality is a lot more palatable for us than buying into negative stories about black players and continuing to perpetuate that narrative. Yeah. So I can completely agree with you. Um, in terms of the response um, since the incident, obviously there's been a lot of uh, media, um, um, kind of there's been all columns, you know, obviously not just your own, but also from, you know, other journalists across other newspapers. Have you been satisfied with the responses do you believe, maybe believe that when i say satisfied do you maybe believe that the, something might actually be done now because this seems to be a higher profile incident than maybe some other ones in the past that you know we've maybe almost forgotten about and, and wrongly so do you maybe feel that this one will get an appropriate response yeah i mean it's an indictment of our industry that everyone's scurrying around now that it's a player from a premier league club when there have been instances of racism at championship league one league two level but they're not sexy enough they're not big enough names so nobody goes um running around and it doesn't um get the coverage that this one does um it's not for me to be satisfied. I'm just one man. And really, I'm not a player. Sterling is the one who we have to ask if Sterling is satisfied. If the black players are satisfied, they are the ones that matter. Um, I can only give my perspective, but they are the ones who are calling for change. What we have to not do, and I kind of just get a little sense of this, particularly with the sums of sections of our wider media is, you know, get into this because it's a hot topic, but drop it eventually because the interest has been lost. That's what's happened all too often, certainly since I've been in the industry. And uh, and even before then, it, you know, it wasn't even addressed. What we have to do now is make the changes that are necessary. And I think that's what Sterling's forced us all to do. It's forced us to look at ourselves, the daily mirror to look at itself. You know, regardless of what we've done, we can always do better. You know, the Daily Mail, the Daily, the Sun, you know, the Guardian, the Independent, the Telegraph, all the newspapers that have maybe contributed to this culture around which black players feel they are not adequately represented. We must all, as a media, look at ourselves. And the broadcast media cannot escape that responsibility too. It's a wider media culture. We're kidding ourselves if we wanna, if we think we can point the fingers elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, just quickly as well, uh, before we finish, um, you mentioned Kick It Out there. Obviously, Lord Herman Oosley has uh, announced that he's stepping down uh, from his role there. I mean, he's obviously been a great advocate for um, challenging racism in football and, you know, discrimination in, in sport. I mean, um, I'm sure you'll agree he's been um, kind of a, a great figure to have um, in football over the, over the past few years. He's been a standard bearer. He's been absolutely legendary not afraid to call it as it is, having experienced it when he was a child at school, one of just a handful of black kids in 
uh, I think it was 1,700 uh, kids in his school, mostly white, and him getting the abuse when he was a kid, when he was an adult, uh, going to games. And so he set up uh, Kick It Out in 1993, seeing the problems that footballers faced and has fought fiercely for the rights of black people ever since then, black footballers uh, ever since then. And it's a real shame to lose him from that position because he was a true leader. Uh, and he wasn't just someone who engaged in sound bites. He was some, someone who pushed for substantive change. He will be a big, big loss, uh, but I'm sure he'll still be around. And I'm sure the organization will rely on him uh, and look to him uh, for, for, for guidance and advice. But, you know, he, he, he's earned a rest and he deserves that rest. And um, uh, we just want to thank him, really, for the last 25 years of hard work. Absolutely. Uh, very nice words there, Darren. Uh, Darren, really, really appreciate you coming on and uh, talking kind of so so openly and honestly uh, 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 about everything that has happened uh, in the past week. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks very much. Darren Lewis uh, joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, good to hear from him and get his, his thoughts on uh, the whole uh, Sterling incident. Absolutely. Uh, um, yeah. We're now moving on to the Premier League weekend. As I've said, Liverpool versus Manchester United. We've spoken plenty about Liverpool uh, already, um, so we're going to talk very briefly now about Manchester United. Do we think they've turned a corner? They, the, the, the game um, against Fulham last I, weekend. I think those papering over the cracks. I really do. Yeah, even though they they, they they put four past them, you know they were dominant. I think we put three past them in here. This is it. Yeah, true. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, you know, is it is is this not United now slightly more in the in the right direction? It's a it's a game that Jose will relish more than anything. He knows that Liverpool haven't lost a game in the Premier League. That's such a huge incentive for him personally to to go and spoil it, and um, you know. Liverpool fans won't forget that Jose was the manager in charge of Chelsea that ruined the title bid that season. So let's hope that for them, they'll be hoping history won't repeat itself. But Jose will look at this game and he will see this as his platform to really re-establish himself in control of Manchester United. If Manchester United go to Anfield and get a win, he's, he's, he's pretty much safe to the end of the season, I would say. I don't think there'll be much talk about him and it gives him great ammunition going into January where look if he's still the manager he needs to spend and he needs to bring quality through the door uh, Man United have got it in them they really have um, but let's not forget they travel back from Valencia so Liverpool got an extra day of recovery on them I'm sure Jose will bring that up um, there'll be no lo- love loss between him and Jurgen Klopp that's for sure but this is a game where we all know Jose will relish it and tactically I think we all know what he's going to do. Well, yeah. we do because he's done it the last two years. He's um, he's, he's set up his team in a way, and it's been two two goalless draws at Anfield yeah. the last two, um, and he and that was with the Manchester United team that's probably better than the one they've got now. Yeah, and um, you know they they set up in a way to really frustrate Liverpool. And Liverpool last season it was actually it was a bit earlier than this in the season, and and Liverpool weren't quite hitting their straps. It was actually, funnily enough, at the time there was a lot of talk about how. Uh, Mo Salah wasn't a good finisher and he, he, he wasn't going to get the goals that the team needed but um, Mourinho set up in a certain way to frustrate them it made for a terrible game, um, game. David De Gea has, has bailed them out the last two years he made a brilliant save from Joel Matip last season the year before it was a Coutinho effort which he palmed away so the comparison with Alisson is an interesting one isn't it and see how, see how, they, how they get on De Gea's perhaps not been at his best this season um, yeah but Matt is right we know exactly what Mourinho's going to do and 
the emphasis is on Liverpool to prove they're now better than they were uh, in the previous games. Yeah, yeah and, and I think the challenge for Liverpool here is that um, they know what they're up against. Can they construct a different game plan that can yeah. nullify that and break through? And I think maybe they want to look towards maybe using the set pieces more in this game and perhaps trying to win free kicks in and around the box. Mm. You know, this is where you really want to bring in the big defenders. Like, you know, you've got Van Dijk's very effective and, yeah. and, and, and Matip if he plays again, you know. Yeah, so I, I think, I, I think I, that's where Liverpool could get a bit of success. Yeah. And in a sense, I think, you know, it's not too dissimilar from the Napoli game where Napoli really were trying to shut up shop for out. But Liverpool, when, when they get going, there's, there's no stopping them really. So it's, it's going to be, they need to be, they need to be ready for... A United team is going to frustrate I think them it, and I think not it's, kind of rise to that base. I think it's fascinating, um, and you'll you'll basically learn a lot about what Klopp thinks about Man United from his team selection. Um, you saw against Napoli, it was that very controlled midfield of Henderson, yeah. Wijnaldum and Milner. That's the midfield that's basically played in against the bigger teams this season. When it's against the lesser teams, that's where you see him tweak things around. Naby Keita plays, Jordan Shakiri will be a big sort of name to look out for. It, it, basically, if Shakiri's playing in the game, starting the game, then you know that Klopp is thinking these aren't very good and we can beat them. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll have that in his head. But if he's thinking it needs to be more compact, more controlled, he'll do the other midfield. I quite like that. The the, the underlying dig that uh, Jurgen Klopp gives to Manchester United. <laughs> Plain Jurgen Klopp. Plan on writing about it on Friday. If Shakiri scores as well, could you imagine Gary Neville's reaction? <laughs> yeah. uh, that would be good. I mean, what, what, what subtext that would be. Yeah. So, so if, if, if we're talking oh, I quite like Shakiri. I think he's had a good season mm. so far. I, I've got to say, he surprised me. I, I, was very, yeah, I, I was very critical of him at Stoke and uh, I think he only played or, or turned up and performed to his highest level when he wanted but to. But then was he always looking to get to this next step to play Trouble out? Right, right, but that's not how you should be playing no, if you're doing that. But there are players like it. The know, thing, with, the thing it. with him at, him at Stoke is that it was all on him, wasn't it? it, it you know, he, uh, he had uh, Anatovic for a while and then, and then he left. And he probably looked at Anatovic and went, well, you know, I've lost kind of one of, lost one of my guys here sort of thing who like, I can work with. He works very well with the likes of Salah and, and, and Liverpool's sort of better players. Um, and I think Liverpool fans have taken to him for probably two reasons. One is Gary Neville doesn't like him and two is Charlie Adams doesn't like him. And Charlie Adams isn't the most popular figure with Liverpool fans. From yeah. his, He's said some comments since he's left. So if you've got those two who don't like you, Liverpool fans are probably going to like you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's been a bit of that. And yeah, he's, he's knuckled down. He's, he's, he's played well. You know, he's a very useful player to have in the squad. Yeah, and no, has proven a, a worthy uh, addition for Liverpool. 11 um, million quid, I, th- I think it was, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, it's a bargain in this day. It age. is, it really is. Um, elsewhere, um, I was going to say just quickly on Jose Mourinho. Um, if they win, you know Klopp's celebration in Merseyside derby. Oh, I'll do something like that. Yeah. I can see Mourinho almost yeah. just yeah. I could, I, he's due some kind of wild yeah. card moment he's not had one for about well, I don't know three days I something like that. that so yeah, I, I can see him doing a charge onto the I pitch something along the that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think the touchline will be just as uh, uh, we'll anticipate that as much as we will the game that'd be great it's almost, I mean, you saw to see. all that everyone was talking about after the Klopp thing was uh, oh if that was Mourinho he'd have got banned and fined or whatever was it Paul Merson said twenty five games or something and Danny Mills wanted him to be put in prison there was all there was all sorts of stuff going on <laughs> Mourinho you're right if Mourinho might use it as well I'm going to do this now and you can only find me eight grand which is nothing is it so. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah be, be intriguing to see um, away from Liverpool Manchester United also this weekend we have Southampton against Arsenal uh, that's on Sunday I'm particularly intrigued by this yeah. Um, because I was going to step in on this one because speaking to our colleague Alex Richards, he reckons this is a home banker. And Arsenal, you know, go, prior to their 
game against Carabag in the Europa League, unbeaten in 21 games. Yeah, yeah. Southampton. No defenders, though. They got no defenders. But this is it. I, Go on, uh, Jones. It's all right, mate. Uh, no defenders. No defenders. Go on. I'm just thinking, I've, I, I was thinking of backing Southampton, but seeing as Alex Richardson said that, yeah. I'm probably not going yeah. to now. I've I think tried um, Steve Bold's playing and they're going to get Tony Adams back. Yeah. So yeah, be, that'll be those two at the back. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I, it, it, if it, it was a better team than Southampton, is, I might be on with it. But We say that, but I, the reason I, I kind of like it's new manager bounce. I know they've obviously had one game under... On, on, I was going to have to try and say his name now, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, Ralph Hussenhutu. Hussenhutu, yeah. Well, I Hassan, think... see that goal, Hassan, Cardiff goal. <laughs> that was the goal oh. they conceded against Cardiff was awful. Oh, <laughs> The but, big, the yeah, big yeah. defender, Vestergaard, I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that... I know he took charge on the Tuesday, watched the game against Spurs on the Wednesday. Yeah. Um, sounds like Craig Davis seven days here, doesn't it? Yeah. Lost um, to Cardiff on Saturday. And then, yeah, <laughs> and they were chilling out on Sunday. But... <laughs> He's. I think they should have waited to the home game for his first game in charge. Let him have a bit more longer with the players. Keep keep Kelvin Davis in charge for that Cardiff game because he's. Be, you know, they, there's no turnaround in that in that space mm. of time. So it was a difficult one for him, and I think going away from home is always going to be a tough game. This he's now had a week to work with the players. He got them back into training on a Monday. Usually they have a day off, and typically on a Monday for all Premier League teams if they're played on a Saturday or even on Sundays, to come in, you know, debrief in the sense where, right, any injuries, yeah. you know, ice, bath. ice baths, all the rest of it. And then I think every player from most Premier League teams receives an email looking at their, their performance from the weekend. If they've sat on the bench, then the heat map's going to be quite interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But um, that will typically be what happens. But he's got them in. And he's got working, so I wonder if that ruffled a few feathers. Maybe. You know, because people don't like change, do they? Anytime there's yeah. any change, the things, you know, don't often go down too well. So this will be interesting. If if he does get a result, then this week's gone well for him. Yeah. If he doesn't, then Southampton are going to have a tough, mm. tough festive running. I yeah. I agree. I think Arsenal have got a defeat coming. Um, they've this unbeaten run has been great, and and um, you know at the start of it, people were questioning, well, they've not played anybody, but they have started. They've played teams now. You know, they've played Liverpool, they've played Man United, yeah. Tottenham, obviously. Um, there are a couple of games. I think they've really sort of like got the rub of the green in, in, in a few games um, so I do see a defeat come in whether it's the Southampton I sincerely doubt because they're just really uninspiring aren't they Southampton yeah. the only I, thing that would worry me as an Arsenal fan is that they're slow starters I don't think they've led a no, single game this season going into half time yeah. and for a team like Arsenal that, that's an astonishing yeah. record yeah. And, and I think that's what they need to they, they need to start a bit brighter really don't they and um, yeah so Look, if Southampton can get behind their, their team and the players, who knows? It could be a bit of a, an upset on Sunday afternoon. Mm. So, yeah, interesting one. Yeah, uh, elsewhere from that one, uh, Manchester City against Everton, I think, is the next uh, pick over the weekend. I think City at home, you'd expect to beat anyone. But Everton proved on Monday night they've got a bit of fight about them. Um, yeah. Um, they're a bit of green again, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're a bit of a work in progress, I think, Everton. Um, you know, they were... as a lot of their fans took took a lot of kind of encouragement from from the Merseyside derby and the way they played, albeit a very cruel ending for them. But I think I wonder since then has it really knocked the stuffing out of them? I think since then they drew with Newcastle, um, the Watford game where you know they've gone one nil up there and, and and they've really in the space of what three minutes they've gone two one down and and they didn't really respond in the second half they were poor so 
they they could do with a good result to get the to get back going again. They're playing Man City though, um, but City, you know, the Chelsea game didn't go to plan, and there's injuries now, isn't there? So, and all of a sudden the heat's on them in terms of the title. Sort of, you know, for, for for weeks and weeks and weeks, all we all shows like this we're talking about was was City as if they were invincible and things like that. They were still only ever two points ahead of Liverpool. You know, like Liverpool were clinging on, and now it's City's turn to do the same. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, I'll just quickly run through uh, the rest of the Premier League fixtures before we finish. Uh, all the Saturday three pm's: uh, Crystal Palace, Leicester, Huddersfield take on Newcastle, Tottenham take on Burnley, Watford against Cardiff, Wolves against Bournemouth. Um, West Ham are on TV at 5.30 <laughs> God, nobody wants to see that do they? I do yeah I can't wait I mean yeah. this, this could be uh, West Ham could win four on consecutive fire. games for the yeah. first time since 2014 under Big Sam oh really uh, uh, Pellegrini's got him playing really well I, I think the two goals two of the goals from last weekend um, Snodgrass and Felipe oh, that Anderson great, that sensational I've forgotten Snodgrass was there to but Felipe Anderson he's a player that you know he's doing very well at the minute and he's got a great record £40 million a lot of people sort of rolled their eyes at that one in the summer for oh I'm not sure about that but I'll tell you what he's looking like a player who, who probably could end up with the greatest respect to West Ham on, on potentially a bigger platform. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I'm on. I'm pretty sure I'm on one of these. I'm, I'm recorded on one of these where in West Ham had the awful start, didn't they? And I was like, no, they'll be fine. They've got good players once it all beds in. So I think it's down to me, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cheers, uh, Jonesy. Yeah. I'll, 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 let you, I'll let you find that clip just you know for, 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 yeah. for a bit of a for a bit of a self ego boost. Um, uh, West Ham obviously are away at Fulham. I don't think we even mentioned who they were playing that. Um, well, Fulham, Fulham, big game for them. They're in trouble, aren't they? And Ranieri, interesting one where he's come out. Well, he almost looked like after the the job in France at Nantes, wasn't it? Where yeah. you thought surely he's got to retire. He should have probably left on a higher from from Leicester, really. And going into a job like Fulham, yeah, I can see. Look, if everything does work out, they've got a lot of money there and things like that. Yeah. But it's going to be tough to turn that around. Yeah. So January is key for them. But going into January, they want to pick up home wins, really. And a team like West Ham is. You know, it's, it's almost West Ham are one of those clubs really over the years it's like if someone's struggling it's like here hold my beer you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll give them a chance yeah. um, so I'm a bit I am a bit nervous going into it but you know West Ham have been the entertainers of the Premier League forget Man City and Liverpool I think we've scored about nine goals in the last uh, three games so yeah. have some of that Yeah. so may, maybe this one on Saturday night will be uh, <laughs> one to watch uh, the only other fix that we haven't mentioned uh, Brighton take on Chelsea uh, that's at one thirty on Sunday because obviously Chelsea playing Thursday night in the Europa League um, guys thank you very much our pleasure thank you. Uh, thank you. really do appreciate it good to have you, you back on uh, any more Michael Jackson jokes and neither of you will be uh, will be back on again we'll consider uh, that a warning <laughs> but um, we'll, um, we'll let him slide this week uh, but guys thank you very much um, thank you very much for listening as well uh, if you don't subscribe to us already uh, say we're available on iTunes we're available on Spotify we're invi- available on Acast uh, we're available pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from uh, but until next time we'll see you then This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. 
Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.